All right, here we go. We're almost done with Easter, aren't we? Here we go. Is that true? Oh, I guess it is. 31st is Pentecost. <laughs> the 31st of May is Pentecost? Yeah. Which is my anniversary for my first Mass, which is not my ordination. And this is kind of a weird thing. Because I was ordained on June 7th, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but Pentecost was my first Mass. So I get to have two anniversaries. So I guess uh, last year, Easter was pretty late. So you mm-hmm. uh, yeah. had a Pentecost first Mass? Yep. Yeah, and this year Pentecost is in May, mm-hmm. uh, so we still have a couple more weeks of Easter coming up. We're on the fifth Sunday, uh, but really quick, tell me, how was your Good Shepherd Sunday? Did you preach about vocations? Uh, no. <laughs> Should I have? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was Good Shepherd means? Sunday. I don't know what these things mean. Is that bad? Mm-hmm. Should I? I don't think so. It's not <laughs> scriptural. <laughs> I preached. Um, it was okay. I wasn't super happy with it. Um I kind of went on um, the need for the shepherd looking at, because Peter was kind of all over the first two readings. Yeah. Um, and like, he's he's giving us some pretty hard stuff to hear. Right. Um, and like that first reading where he's saying, you know, this man who who God sent as Christ and Lord, you crucified Lawless so, men. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. It's like guilt trip city. But I thought, you know, who is who is saying this to us? Well, it's Peter who denied Jesus three times yeah. and then ran away in fear during the crucifixion and then locked himself in the upper room <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out of fear. Like, right, right. I don't think he's talking about, you know, these lawless men, you know, those people, whoever they are. I think he's talking about himself. Mm. And so I kind s- of... Yeah. Well, and then I, I kind of attach that to the good shepherd and saying, you know, sheep are dumb, <laughs> and, which which points to their need for a shepherd. And if, you know, if this man, Peter, the worst among us can be become the greatest among us because of his dependency on Christ, well, yeah, what does that is. say for us? Right, right. And the reason he can be so hard on the Pharisees is because he's been there. You exactly. Know, yeah. You know, yeah. he's on the he's on the other side of having denied Christ, and he can say, "Look, I know, I know what it's like to be a lawless man. I've denied Christ myself, you know, and so I'm calling you to conversion and to follow your shepherd, because only then will you find life to the full." Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about this Sunday? Do we have a special name for this Sunday coming up? Do not let your hearts be troubled, Sunday. Um, Jesus is getting a new house, Sunday. That's right. My father has many rooms. My father has a mansion that has many rooms in it. So this image is obviously a good one, but I, I struggle with it because to preach on it, it's so over, not overused, but it's it's used in such a way that I think it becomes kind of obvious, you know, like what more is there to say? It's like, okay, you know, he I prepared a place for you, you know, and that's great. Um, how, how to put a like a fresh twist on this to make it come alive a little bit. I One thing I was thinking of, it's very easy for this gospel to become segmented and just focusing on that first part with the many places. And then there's the, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And then, you know, believe in me because the father is in me. So it becomes super like John theology towards the end. I I thought one way to bring it all together that might be helpful is to say, okay, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And now we have two people listed in this gospel, Thomas and Philip. Let's look at each of them and see what their dwelling place will look like in heaven. Um, based on who, how we know they lived with Jesus. We know Philip was the one that was with Jesus who asked about the food for the multitude. We know Thomas 
is the one who will deny him. So think about what would it be like for them to be transformed into glory to be with God in heaven. In other words, it's not not just leaving it in the abstract and saying like all of us have a place prepared, but all of us have a unique place prepared. You know that there's some there's something inviting to us that like imagine Thomas in heaven. What would it be like for Thomas to live with God? And what do we know of Thomas? And that's brought to heaven because Thomas goes there too. Um, and Philip. I don't know. It's just kind of an idea of maybe a way of, of playing with it. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, and we just heard, hmm, when was that? From Philip, not too long ago. What was it, Friday? Anyway, when he baptizes the Ethiopian. Yeah, actually, that's interesting you brought that up. I found out recently that that's, that's not the Apostle Philip. That's the Deacon Philip. Oh, really? So it's different. Yeah, I, I made this mistake before, too. I used to think that that was Philip the Apostle, but it turns out if you read the book of Acts, and we have that as our first reading this Sunday, that you have the ordination of the diaconate, uh, or the institution of the diaconate, the ordaining of these mm-hmm. men, and the first one named mm-hmm. after Stephen mm-hmm. is Philip. Oh, and I think Philip. that Philip is the one that baptizes the eunuch. Gotcha. Well, I think, so, okay, um... I think it could still work, though, looking at the way, and especially, I could be tempted just to focus on Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So whoever, and especially talking about Stephen, you know, all of these people really, really align themselves to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Like, the martyr martyr of, um, of Stephen was almost a carbon copy of what happened to Jesus. Right. Except he wasn't God, obviously. But the things that he was saying was like, yeah, I need to be like the Lord. Um, And then again, like this, so, so we have that from Stephen and then from Philip, the deacon, what does he do with the Ethiopian? Well, he, it's almost like a post-resurrection experience from the Lord. He disappears after the sacrament is performed. Right. Um, so if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if we align our hearts to his in such a complete and intimate way, then that's that's how we enter into that house that has been prepared for us. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And I, I also like how you are focusing on the particular men that are named in the book of Acts. Like I can read those names as kind of a list and forget. Like there's something very epic about Stephen, something very incredible about Philip, and then I don't know anything about Prochorus, Nicanor, <laughs> Timon, 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 Timon. I mean, like, <laughs> like, you know, Parmenas and Nicholas of Antioch. I don't know anything about these guys. And, yeah. you know, just to think about the, the epic tales that could be told about what these men did in preaching the gospel mm-hmm. um, and how God has prepared a place for them because they followed Jesus the way, Jesus the truth, and Jesus the life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I want to pivot a little bit. There's something I wanted to mention to you from the beginning of the first reading that I thought yeah. was interesting. Well, to, go ahead. I, I'm just wondering you know, if, since this is the institution of the diaconate and we've got the ancient, you know, prayed and laid hands on them, the ordination symbol, um, why isn't this the vocations Sunday? <laughs> if we've no, literally good, gotten yeah. ordination in the first reading. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something having to do with being called as a sheep. <laughs> I, I don't know. No idea. Um, anyway, to your point. Yeah. Well, maybe one last point on the on the people named in the first reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tie that to the letter to Peter as well, the living stones. You know, so Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas of Antioch, and then later in the gospel, Philip and Thomas. These are all living stones, according to what mm. Peter says. 
that they're mm. living stones of our father's mansion. You know, so you can think about yeah. it too, like Ooh. our father's house has many dwelling places. We think about that often with heaven, obviously, but also the church. The church is the dwelling place of God. So yeah, how are earth. we the how yeah, how are we the living stones of the father's house? Mm. Maybe that's another mm. angle to go to follow. Instead of thinking about the eschatological dimension of God's heavenly dwelling place, think about yeah. the imminence of being a part of a church that calls itself the body of Christ. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently with this whole coronavirus um, problem (laughs) is how will all of our, um, how are we going to approach the, the, the physical buildings, the church, like, are places that we haven't been able to go to for so long. Like right. when that's reopened, like how is that going to change how we understand this gathering place, this house mm. of God? I think it's going to put more emphasis on it in a good way that we recognize that, yeah, we do need to just being in our homes and saying, you know, Lord, Lord, whatever is not enough that we have to gather in these places with these living stones, with these, mm. you know, standing on the shoulders of our of our forefathers kind of a thing. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, and the, the great thing about a church place, an actual church building, is that the living stones of the body of Christ gather together. And that, mm-hmm. you know, we're disparate stones that are united by the Holy Spirit. But when we come together in a physical space, then the body of Christ united can give glory to God as, yeah. one, as one body. Yeah. Like, for sure. Um, and it has so, to be with Jesus as... Uh, that foundation, the yeah, source well, and the summit. Is, I mean, it's what the is Eucharist. the just use use the language of First Peter? You know that we have for this Sunday, that he's the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. That we are the living stones, but he's the cornerstone. And when we go back into our parish communities, I think we'll probably have an opportunity to really start living that with more integrity. That I am one part of a bigger uh, edifice, and I need my brothers and I need my sisters. Like we can live in exile from each other for yeah. months or years at a time, but. In the end, the body of Christ is a union of parts that are brought together by one mm-hmm. one spirit. Yeah, you know, I wonder if that could be a focus of an entire homily, just that last part of First Peter. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Yeah, that's like, such an exhortation. For Even now, even right now, we are called to that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, really quick. Let me just pivot to first uh, the first line of Acts. I just want to get okay. your take on this because it, it actually could fit in with what everything we're talking about. Because it seems like we're we're aiming towards like an ecclesiology type mm-hmm. of homily. It's like, what does it mean to be the church? Yeah, these living stones, these pillars that make up the dwelling place of God, following Jesus, etc. Okay, what do you get of this line? The Hellenists complained against the Hebrews. <laughs> so full uh. stop. <laughs> okay, hmm. so I, I I think we could preach a whole homily on this. Um, and the reason I say that is because I kind of did the other day at Daily Mass. I I had a homily that I wanted to preach about. Uh, what was... Oh, it was... A, the first line was also from Acts, but it was the whole church was at peace. And so hmm. I just raised the question, what does it mean for the church to be at peace? Because later on at the Council of Jerusalem, you see Peter and Paul, you know, disagreeing on circumcision. Yeah. You know, the history of the church is not really one of peace we all we have a lot of strife and here you see the hellness complaining against the hebrews like is there peace in the church and hmm. just maybe raising the possibility or the question of a homily about 
disagreement in the body of Christ, tension in the body of Christ, struggle, complaining against each other, all of that uh, has a place within the body of Christ Mm -hmm. because that's how we grow. I mean, Paul and Peter at Jerusalem, they debated, but ultimately Peter had the final word as the Pope. But maybe there's a homily here, too, about an ecclesiology of complaining against each other well and disagreeing with each other well and having arguments with each other that are good that help build up the body and not tear it down. Because I think that we've we've forgotten how to disagree mm, with each mm-hmm. other Absolutely. in a way that's constructive of the body and not destructive of the body. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. I think that's a really good point. Um you know, on a certain level, I do think that this is kind of building up because the Council of Jerusalem is not for another couple of chapters. So it's kind of showing that there is this conflict between Greek and Jew. Um, but I think to your point that it culminates in actual dialogue and something yeah. that comes from that and not division. Um, right. So so think about like, okay, the Hellenists complain against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Could you not? I mean, I don't want to be polemical, but like, you know, the Brazilians complained against the Americans because their indigenous populations were being neglected in the daily distribution. Like they're, this is exactly what the church does. Yeah. Is that we, we have conflicting parts because we're one body over many nations. Right. And we, we have to enter into conversation and argue with each other about what is God's will ultimately. And... I don't think it's anachronistic to say that what we do in the church today is just what they did in the book of Acts, is that the members struggle with each other to find God's will. I think where we are different than the book of Acts is that we don't know how to do that anymore hmm. without it ending in, well, I'm just going to break away, or yeah. I'm just going to make my silo, or I'm just going to make my parallel church. Yeah. Like, that's I actually not- said in my homily yesterday, you know, we've kind of come to a place in our world where, you know, you do you and I'll do me is kind of the norm. Right. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> right. And it's not it's not the gospel. And I, yeah. I just think it's a very beautiful example in the book of Acts here where you do have complaining, but then there's a solution because there will, like the church is not this idyllic, you know, institution where everyone will live in utopic bliss. It's not that. It's the messiness of being living stones. Like... We're living stones. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're building up this body and stones have to be put together in very mm-hmm. weird and cumbersome ways with the mortar. And there's a master builder that's putting this body mm-hmm. together and the, the stones are going to rub up against each other and there'll be friction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like how do we, how do we allow that friction to be constructive and not destructive? And here they came up with a very good solution is that they dedicated a few men to the distribution which didn't exist before. Like that wasn't a new, th- that was a new thing. So I don't know. I don't want to be polemical. I just want to say that. This no, is a I like that a lot. To reflect on this, you know? Well, and cons- I mean, keeping up the metaphor of this building, you know, c- consider the ways in which they cultivate and take care of the structure that they've built. You know, they're not just destroying, well, this isn't working. So we need to start again mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Like, no, this is, you know, we're, we're continually adding. There are many rooms. We need to figure out how, not just how to navigate that well, but how to take care of this place that we call our own. Right. Um, and sometimes there's going to be disagreements. You know, the the bricks are going to get chipped. They're going to get damaged, you know. Um, but what do we do with that? I think that's a great question to present, yeah. to pose. Oh, totally. 
And also, I guess, like maybe for me, like a, a final point on this on this topic would be, and again, I think all of this is kind of coming to a head in a in a very unified way with all three readings. Is that this isn't this is a Sunday where we can talk about how the church as individuals mm-hmm. can like together relate to each other and find the way and the truth and the life in the life of the church. So I think one one last point from the Book of Acts that might be helpful is. It's not a solution to these ordain these men was not a solution that was just, okay, that sounds great. It wasn't <laughs> just that. It was then they presented them to the apostles. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, okay. Like there is a belief here too that the apostles have authority right. to make these kinds of decisions, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And, you know, I might come up with very creative pastoral solutions to address an issue within my pastoral region. Am I willing to submit that to the apostles and be told no? Am I willing to submit that to the apostles and be told yes? In other words, do I have deference to the universal church? Well, and here would be my final thought. The more I think about it and the more we talk about it, I wonder if our response, our responsory psalm is kind of this culmination, if this is what we need to, our theme. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Yeah. Like not in me. Not in any of this, but we trust in the Spirit working. We trust in, in God church, at work in the members. church. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's a that's huge, and that's part of what it means to be a body. <laughs> is that mm-hmm. we trust? Mm-hmm. You know, the hand trusts the foot, trusts the brain. Um, right. Kind right. of a thing. Cool, man. Very good. Thank you. Any uh, last word? Is that it? Is that it for you? Or do you have your normal last word? I'm not going to say it this week. No. <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Till next time.